to start off just a little, uh, probably a little different than anybody else in the world's doing this morning. Uh, I want just to raise our our glasses. Anything that you have, water, your hand, your Bible, whatever that you have. Seriously, just do this. This is. I know you're like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? I've never seen him before. This is really weird at church, right? <laughs> just get over it. Here we go. To Jesus, who came left heaven to come to earth, knowingly coming to die, who died, sacrificed, and was raised on the third day, which we celebrate today. To him we say cheers and thank you to Jesus. I didn't do that the first service, so you got that. They didn't, all right? Well, hey, I am uh, really glad that, uh, that y'all are here. Before we dive in, I'm about to have uh, Doug, why don't you go ahead and come up so you can get situated. And um, this is, uh, we just call him Big Doug, but you can call him Doug Judson. And uh, Doug's going to ask him a couple of questions here in a few minutes, and you can just hold on to that. So as we dive in this morning, so everybody, everybody take a deep breath. Thank you. Now you can exhale. As we come into this moment, like, again, I recognize we're all here for different reasons in the sense, like, some of us are like, Easter is the best day ever. Others are like, oh, my gosh, I hate Easter, (laughs) right? Others are like, I I willingly came. Others are like, I hope my mom appreciates me being here type thing, right? And I want us to recognize this morning that when we come, we literally come because we want to celebrate not just baptism, which is always fun, but we want to celebrate the fact that we believe as the church, that we're going to talk about later, that we were really dead, living a life, walking in darkness, separated from the creator of all. And he came and made a way for us, not just so that we could live a better life, but so we could live what he says, an abundant life, a complete life, a a full life, a life connected to the living source of life, God himself. And so as we come this morning, I simply want to invite you, in a sense, to kind of lay some things down. Preconceived ideas of what Easter's supposed to be at. Even pre, like, part of the reason I did a cheers here, like this little thing, is because that's abnormal. I want you to think outside of the box because so often the message of Easter, right, it just gets lost doesn't it, if we're honest? Like all these things that Jesus did, they just get lost in life. They just become something that we know from our past. But I would say, and let me just say this to you, and I'm going to use this language in a bit, but if you look at your life and feel like you've been in a hole or are stuck in a hole, there's only one person who can pull you out. And let me just tell you something. This morning, as we look at the empty crosses, it's a sign, sorry, that he is literally with his hand down into the hole saying, just grab hold because I can save you. And so as we dive in this morning, I want you to recognize whether you remember him reaching down and pulling you out and celebrating That fact this morning, because listen, when you've been saved from a hole that you can't get out of, you never forget. And you can think about it and celebrate it every day. 
And for those this morning who you are in a hole, and you, and I can say this morning that God's hand is down, I say good news. Just grab hold. And it can become your own resurrection. So this morning as we dive in, would you please allow this, this reality and the gravity, the healthy gravity of the moment to just to speak into the very core of your being so that you leave today, whether just celebrating again what he's done and saving you, or you simply for the first time say, I cannot, this is the morning that changed me forever. So I've invited Doug to come, one, because he's just better looking, grows a better beard than I do. <laughs> but also, I want you to hear his story. I sat down with Doug at Nick's Barbecue on 41 several weeks ago because he said he wanted to be baptized. And honestly, it was a great excuse for us to get together and eat good barbecue and then talk life and talk his life. And, and as he told the story, I honestly stopped kind of eating barbecue as I recognized what God had done, kind of unbeknownst to me. And, and while he was here at Vintage, and I just thought, in talking about resurrection and talking about this, I want you to hear from Doug, kind of this, this not kind of, I want you to hear the story of, of salvation for him and what God has done in his life. And so, Doug, why don't you just start and let's kind of begin like the, the pre-Jesus time, right, kind of talking about where you were, what was going on, and who you were as Big Doug. So before I, before I came to know Jesus, I, was, uh, I thought I was a good person. You know, I, I, in the world, I, you know, to, to everyone else, I looked like I was a good person. I, I got beautiful kids. I got a beautiful wife. They, you know, I treated people nice. But, man, inside, I was dark. It just, it wasn't good. It, it was just surface. So, uh, you know, like I said, I, I thought I was a good. I wanted to be a good person, but I wasn't. I, I was, I was hateful. I was jealous. I, I, I just, I just didn't treat the people. I didn't treat anybody the way that they should be treated and so i know until we talked about that moment obviously you guys started started coming to vintage talk about that kind of what that looked like for you coming into vintage and kind of what was stirring in you and, and then and then you can just go ahead and lead us into that moment when uh you came forward one sunday kind of just and tell us here's what i want you to do kind of tell that story but in that i want you to make it come alive for people in a sense of like what was going on in your mind, what you were thinking, what you were feeling. It's really, really easy. Yeah. Yes. Just make it come alive. <laughs> it's on the fly. Just on the fly. Just make it happen. <laughs> Woo us and change us forever, dude. <laughs> so we've been coming to Vintage for a while, and, and I know my wife had been praying for me for a long time, and man, I, I, I don't know if I could have done what she did and just put up with it and, and waited and waited and waited. But um, so we've been coming to Vintage for a while, and when we first started coming, you know, I just, I would come to make her happy and whatever. Just, I just wanted to move on. Um, but I, the more we came, the more I just, I kind of just let myself be open to it and just stop coming with a predetermined, you know, let's get through this hour and a half. And with him, sometimes an hour and 45 minutes. <laughs> but, you know, just, let's just, you know. So, so I came, I, I, I. I tried to have a better, better idea with it. Stop shaking. You're, man, you're throwing me off. <laughs> so uh, I have some neighbors, um, the Blakes. They, they go to Riverstone. They were really, really influential in my life. And, um, and then when I, we went to the inf infusion, and that's when it really started to change for me. Um, I sat down, and I had 
that just had a one-on-one conversation with Steve for like half an hour. And I didn't want to kill myself afterwards, so that was nice. <laughs> no, uh, no, but it just, I just felt included, you know. And um, so then one morning, it was uh, in the middle of September. It was after my, all my children had been baptized. And that, that did something big time when my son leapt up out of that water and hugged me right there. Whew. And then uh, so in September, one morning after harvest sang and, and we had our message, uh, I came right here and knelt right here and, and just asked for Jesus to come into my heart. And, man, I just I felt I just felt lighter and I felt great. And I just it's just a release of just everything. The, the, the weight on my shoulders isn't there anymore. It, and it just just felt it just felt good. That's awesome. And so when we talk, talk about just a little bit of, you know, we talked about this, you know, that, that verse, that I think you're going to read the, the baptism piece. Talk about just what God's been stirring. There's one thing for you. This isn't, you know, I look at there's a moment of salvation, but then there's this journey of living this saved life, this life with Jesus. And as we talked that day, it was, that was really impactful for me. Kind of the, just the, what God was doing in you in this moment, that it wasn't just something that happened you look back to, but it's something that's still going on today for you. Right. I- so I, I got I got baptized this morning at 9 a.m. y'all and man it was good it was it was good I wish I could do it again but I know there's no more hot water up in this place so no uh, so one of the scriptures that keeps jumping out at me as as I read my Bible is when when John was baptizing in the river and he would tell everyone that you know I, he was good but the the one who will come after him, he's not even worth to touch his, the straps of his sandals. And that he will baptize with the Holy Spirit and the fire. And y'all, I got that fire in me, and I can't get it out enough, man. I just want it. I want more and more Jesus. And once you got him in you, it's just, it's great. It really is. It's so good. It's so good. Amen. So if there's, if there's one thing, obviously, because I, I, I said... And I said this like half joking, very much half, you know, half serious. I said, listen, when, when a little guy like me gives his life to Jesus and tells people, that's pretty cool. But when a big guy gives his life to Jesus, it just means that much more. And so why don't you scare everybody into Jesus? I'm just kidding. No, tell them. <laughs> no, just take, take a moment and, and just share with us kind of this, this word for us that you would have, you believe God has for us uh, this morning. Uh, like I said in the nine, it's, it's just love. It's, there's... It's just love. Just love each other. Love your neighbor. I mean, there's two simple rules to Jesus. Ask for forgiveness and love everybody. I mean, this is a big old book, and there's two rules. It's simple. It's awesome. And just read read your Bible, y'all. Like I told the 9 o'clock, man, we got no excuse. There's an app on your phone that will read it to you. <laughs> Seriously. Get on the treadmill. Listen to it. Amen. All right. Well, hey, let me pray for you real quick. I'll just I'm turn this off. I think it's reverbing on my uh, my microphone, so I'm trying to mute myself. But let me pray for you, and uh, if y'all don't mind, just extend your hands. Where's Shauna? Is she in here? Uh, yeah, just put your hand on Shauna too, guys. This is Shauna. Raise your hand real quick. This is this is uh, Big Doug's boy. Yes, she needs it. She needs it because she's going to deal with Doug. But uh, let's pray for them this morning and for their family. And Father, we we thank you for for Doug and Shauna. Thank you for their children. We thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for bringing them to vintage. Father, we are better as a church because they're here. 
And we're thankful for them. That Father God, they probably see vintage as a gift to them, which it is, but they're a gift to us. And we thank you for letting us be a part of their family. Thank you for us getting to be a part of their life. And thank you for letting us be a part of their story. And I want to pray, Jesus. I want to pray. I want to pray that baptism with fire in Jesus' name. That you would overwhelm them. That, Father God, they would, be, they would just be new creations, but, God, they would be new warriors for you. That, Father God, that the kingdom of hell would tremble every day when they get out of bed. Because they know the feet of holy people, loved people, have just touched the floor. I pray, Jesus, that you would use them to bring salvation. I pray that you would use them to bring healing. I pray that you would use them, Father God, in all the steps they take and all the people they meet, God, to do amazing things that can only point back to the fact that Jesus is in their life. And so, Father, we say your will be done in their life as it's already been spoken in heaven. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, I'm going to leave this right here for baptism. Well, welcome. And again, I want you to hear Doug's story because, you know, it's one of those things sometimes when you, you know, honestly, like I, I don't know about y'all, but I feel like I've been to like um, a jillion church services and then a jillion Easter services, I'm only uh, 42, so that can't be the case, but, but sometimes, you know, it feels like that. And, and so this morning, what I really want you to hear um, is, this, is this story of, a, of Doug, because Doug is like you, and he's like me. It's like, Doug, he just wasn't a good dude. And I think, honestly, like, there is no better place to start an Easter message then just realizing none of us are good dudes or dudettes. I mean, we really aren't, right? I, I think that really is the point of, of Easter. If you know the story of Easter, you know that Jesus looked at Easter as something he had to accomplish because he loved us. Because in the moment, right, you know the story, this, this idea that, that we as human beings, we just weren't good people. We were in a hole we could not get ourselves out of. And in that moment, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Godhead, three in one, right? This mysterious entity looks down and says, someone has to save them. And they just knew that Jesus, right? The Son, Jesus was going to go. Because we've been talking about for the last several weeks and kind of viewing Easter as mission. That Easter was the most important mission that any human being has ever been sent on since the beginning of time. Someone had to save the world. And Jesus said, I will do it. And so we stand in this moment, right? That Jesus speaking that said, I will go, I will fulfill this mission, I will go and I will save the world. The greatest mission the world's ever known. Because we know in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, we have to start back here, I won't spend long there, but Genesis 1 and 2, what do we see? We see, we see the intended nature of creation. 
God looked and said, I want to, he, he developed and created this perfect, beautiful thing we call creation, heaven and earth and human beings and animals and all of these pieces and ended this, right? Ended this moment. We see creation living in innocence, living in perfection, living in unbroken intimacy with one another, unbroken intimacy with the Father. They're living honestly in a place of simplicity, like, you know those moments of life, like when you're on vacation, and everything's just right with the world, right? That was like a, that's a foretaste of what heaven and creation was intended to be. We had this beautiful fact of, of perpetual peace defining all of creation. And then you know the story in Genesis 3, what happens? God looks at his children like every good father or good, good parent does and says, hey, you can do this, but whatever you do, don't do that. Right? You ever done that with your children? Like, hey, you can do this, but do not walk out the door. Do not, do not open the door for a stranger or whatever it may be. Right? Don't do this. And so like every child in the world, they listened, they wholeheartedly heard, and then wholeheartedly disobeyed. Right? Because that's what children do. We put that cookie up there and says, hey, we have the cookies for later. Do not eat of them. The kid's are like, okay. And we come back in. Oh, it just happened to get in my hand and my mouth. I'm not sure how that happened, right? And so in that moment, there's this disobedience that defines humanity. And in that moment, sin like a tidal wave with all of its brokenness and all of its pain, come rushes, comes rushing in and affects and impacts all of creation. You see, it's that moment of darkness that really the hole that man created, that, that Father, Son, Holy Spirit looked down into, and they knew we could not save ourselves. Everyone was living separated from God. We just were not good people. And so in that point, number one for us this morning, someone needed to save the world, right? Someone needed to save the world. Not one person, not one person goes untouched by sin, correct? All of us, either we feel the weight of our own sin because we've all sinned and fallen short of the goodness of God, the glory of God, the, the desire of God. We've all fallen short of that. We've also experienced the effects of someone else's disobedience and sin, haven't we? We've all personally experienced someone else hurting us, someone else wounding us, right? The nature of sin and disobedience is just rampant throughout the world. We all experience it. We just watch, we read the news and watch television. It's, 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 it's prevalent. It's everywhere that we go. Our world is completely touched in this moment, right? We as individuals, as hard as we may try, we can't be good. Doug would probably sit here and tell you, listen, I tried to do good, right? I tried to be good. I tried to do the right thing. I tried to make myself right with God throughout the years, but, but he couldn't do it no matter how big, no matter how strong he is. He couldn't do it. And the same is true for us. We cannot do it either. Like when we talk about Easter, we have to begin in this moment of the fallenness of all of us. We can't save ourselves Someone has to save the world, and only God can do it. The hole was too big. Like, has anyone ever been in a moment where you knew someone else did not show up? Whew, it was not going to be good. 
Not all of us have. All of us, some of us are like really safe in the world, right? But I mean, some of us, all of us, some of us, excuse me, have been in this place of like, oh, darkness is coming. It's about to get cold. If someone doesn't show up. And then all of a sudden, hey, like, oh my gosh, we've been saved. And Jesus in this moment sees us all in this hole because of our sin that we cannot save ourselves from. Listen, it's really important that we see that hole this morning. That you recognize the hole that rather you used to be in. Never forget the hole you're safe from. Never. Never forget the hole you're safe from. Always, yes, focus primarily on what God's doing today and where he's taking you, but never forget where you came from, right? Never forget the hole. Never forget the, sa- the saving moment, God's grace being poured out, this blessing that he's done. He reached in and he saved us. Jesus, on the most dangerous and important mission in the history of the world, he was sent to save us behind enemy lines because we could not save ourselves. Second thing, point two, the mission required death. We all know there are consequences for disobedience. When you walk in on your son or your daughter eating cookies, you don't do this. You shouldn't. Oh my gosh, that's so cute. Let's take a picture of that and show that with grandma. You don't do that. You're like, stop eating the cookie. I love you, (laughs) right? (laughs) Because that was my cookie. No, we discipline them. They're being disobedient. Good parents always discipline their children. It's what we're called to do. There are always consequences for disobedience. There are always consequences for sin. There must be consequences. Biblically speaking, whether we like it or not, the consequences of sin, it's death. There's no other option. There has to be death in this. A life that's separated from God. Romans 5.12 says, Therefore, just as sin entered the world through human beings of creation, right? In Genesis 3. And then death came through sin. And in this way, death came to all people because all people sinned. This is really important for us. Jesus looks at us and sees us as a people who are caught in sin. Just press pause. What I'm saying is this. Unless God has already pulled you out of the hole then you are bound in sin, in chains, being held captive behind enemy lines. That's where you are, separated from God. Your destination is hell. Hell is simply being separated from God for eternity is what it means. And there is nothing good about being separated from God because anything good that we have that's on earth is because of God. And when we're separated from him for eternity, then there is no goodness. Jesus, in this moment, comes and he dies in our place willingly and knowingly. The picture is he became our substitute. He literally becomes behind enemy lines and says, all right, well, you're here and, and someone has to stay. So I will stay. I will take your chains off. I will chain myself up and I will be led to your death. And you now will be set free. And we look and go, do you have the right to do that? We're like, ah, he's like, absolutely, I'm God. And so he comes behind enemy lines, willingly, knowingly, puts our chains on him and he's led to death on the cross. That's what we look at on Friday. We call it Good Friday. 
There's nothing good about it except that Jesus died for your sins, which makes it awesome. In this moment, the scripture tells us in Romans 5, 6, you see at just the right time when you were powerless, held in your hole, not capable of saving yourself, Christ died for the ungodly, a.k.a. you and me. Don't forget the hole. So in this moment, point three, right, the mission required death, point three, the mission was successful. The world could be saved. This is really important. The world could be saved because there's a level of responsibility of response we have in this moment. 1 Corinthians six fourteen says, By his power, God raised Jesus from the dead, and he will raise us also. So what we find is this resurrection, the cross being empty. We know this. It was Jesus' declaration of power and his authority over sin, over the enemy, right, over death. Jesus, listen, had gone behind enemy lines and he accomplished his mission. He broke the back of the enemy. We know in Scripture it tells us that, that Jesus went, he, was, he died, and then he says he went to hell and he set free the captives. He broke the back of the enemy. We'll sing about it in a second. He broke the back of the enemy, and then he says, let me just put the cherry on top and just express it. Let me, be, let me roll the stone away and be erased from the dead so everybody can see me. Hallelujah. Bam, take that. That's what happened. He said that. He went, bam, take that. (laughs) And in this moment of salvation, right, he sets us free and we can be saved. Because the responsibility that we have is this, John 3, 16, you know it. For God so loved the world that he sent his only son on the mission of a lifetime to save the world. And that whoever would believe in him would not die but would live forever with God. You see, belief has three steps. This is really important. Belief has three steps. Number one, you have to hear and experience something so you can believe it, right? So the first is hearing. You recognize, this is important, you recognize there are people across the world today who've never heard the name Jesus. Never heard. They have to hear the good news. They have to hear the good news of what Jesus is. They're hearing and seeing peace. Second thing we have with this in salvation, there's a mental agreement, right? If belief, there's a mental agreement. We all understand this. A person must truly and wholeheartedly believe with mental consent that the message is true. So I know people who says, yes, I wholeheartedly believe that Jesus came to earth. I believe with my mind that he died. I believe with my mind that he was resurrected. But here's the third part about belief. It requires commitment And we all understand that commitment leads to action. Actions don't save you, but your actions express that salvation has actually occurred. So let me give you an example. Could you imagine if I go to my wedding, my wedding day with Randall, right? All the music's playing, the organs, all this kind of stuff, and, you know, whatever. Here comes the bride, right? And all of a sudden it happens. It's great and beautiful. And I get down there, and I kind of go through a ceremony, and I look at everybody and says, I... Yes, I know that I'm saved, but I'm fully, but I'm not really committed to Randall. Like I'm, I'm, I'm fully in this role. Like I'm, I am here, and I believe that we're married, but I'm not really committed. I'm not. I'm just gonna do my own thing and kind of, kind of live my own life, and I'm gonna kind of party with who I want to party with, and hang out who I want to hang out with, and you know, every now and then I'll come back around and hey, say hey, you know, and kind of do our, kind of do something, hang out a little bit, but really, you know then you would look at me and say, then you're not 
really committed. And you're not, your belief hasn't actually led you to action, so you're not really, honestly, married. Because marriage requires, yes, the lifetime commitment. That we, the source, it, says, it says, this is a lifetime commitment, not to be stepped into lightly, making a covenant with one another. And so a committed relationship looks like that I, I submit myself to love her well, as Christ loves the church. I've committed myself to, to be with her and to live with her and to suffer with her in sickness and in health, right? And, and richer for, for being richer and for poorer and forsaking all others and being faithful to her as long as we both shall live together. You see, that's the nature of belief as it relates to John 3.16, that there are these three pieces, hearing and seeing, a mental agreement, yes, and then a commitment which will always express itself in action. You see, this is this nature for those who could be saved. It's those who by responsibility come and embrace the second and the third part specifically. I believe in my commitment is to it to submit myself and my life and everything that I am to Jesus for the rest of my life, to follow him as Lord, as ruler over my life, but recognizing he's a loving Lord who is kind in all that he does. Jesus, number four, we must carry on the mission. After his resurrection, we must carry on the mission. After resurrection, Jesus showed up to his disciples, kind of unannounced. Like they're sitting there doing their thing with a dead Jesus, and all of a sudden he just goes, peace be with you. Ha! Right? That's what happened in the moment. I guarantee they're like, oh, my Jesus! Right? And so in the moment, Jesus comes on to the moment and says, peace be with you, John 20, 21. Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me on the mission to save the world, right? As the Father has sent me in the same way that I've been sent, so now I'm sending you. And so in this moment, I want to argue the message is clear. We are to carry on this mission. And I want to argue this fact, the real reason we remember and celebrate Easter. The real reason or reasons we remember and celebrate Easter, number one, so we never forget the success of Jesus' mission to save the world, to save us, to pull us out of the hole. We always have to live in the reality of what he's done. And number two, so we will, re- so we will engage or re-engage our call to his mission. Like the mission of Easter is still for those who've never heard the gospel or experienced it in their life and made that lifetime commitment. And Jesus looks and says, this is, I, this is, I was sent to proclaim this, so I'm sending you. Easter is a remembrance so that we can re-engage it, so that we can share it wherever we go. This is this picture of Easter. We must view Easter as mission. We must view it first as Jesus' mission to the world to save us. And then we have to recognize it as our mission to share then this good news with those who haven't heard it or received it. The thing I want to do this morning, I invite the worship team to go ahead and come forward. We're going to go back into a time of a little bit of some worship. And, and I want you to have an opportunity to respond this morning. Because hear this, in our response, we recognize there are two Listen, there are two places, there are really three places that we need to be this morning, or we can be. Number one is being loving Jesus, walking with Jesus, engaging his grace, engaging his salvation, every day walking and submitting ourselves to his, his leadership, his control and his lordship, enjoying life, enjoying the fruit of his presence. Or there are those of us who, number two, we have been saved, but man, like we have, we've kind of gone our own way. 
And God wants us to re-engage the mission this morning, to re-engage our relationship, to re-engage Him. And the third, the most important for us this morning, are those of you who are here in this room, who you are still in the hole. And God has done everything He can. His hand is literally right by your head. In fact, wherever you turn, it's always in front of you. It's crazy how He can do that. Wherever you go, His hand is always like right in front of you, saying, just look. Because my hand is here to save you. He's done his part. He died. He's been resurrected. He's allowed you this morning, if you've never heard it, to hear the good news of Jesus. And he's saying, I'm right here. And if you will simply turn away from this life that's been the primary focus, if you will come and apologize, because you have to do that, right? Anytime someone wants to be in a relationship with you, and you're the one who's not engaging them. When you step into a relationship, you have to say you're sorry. Say you're sorry for being selfish. Tell them, say you're sorry for walking and not looking at them. You have, to, you have to apologize for being rude and self-focused. You say, I am sorry for my life. I'm sorry for what I've been living. God, I thank you for saving me. I give my life to you, like Doug said. So this morning, I'm going to give you an opportunity to respond to that. I invite you just to go ahead where you are, to bow your heads and to close your eyes. And the lights are going to come down as we come into this, this time of response and a time of worship. So take a deep breath. We still have baptism to go, so we're not done yet, so don't check out. Check in. Focus on Jesus. Focus on his life. Focus on what he's doing. If you're in a hole this morning and you need to be saved, only Jesus can do it. You can't be good enough. You can't do enough right things. It requires Jesus. It requires you acknowledging and recognizing, man, I, I'm sorry that I have not lived for you. I have not lived in a relationship with you. I am sorry. It requires you then turning to Jesus and say, I need you to save me. And then it requires you being fully committed to him. And living your life in this now marriage and covenant relationship with someone who is perfect in their love for you. And so this morning, if God is wooing, if God is stirring, if God is doing this work in your life of salvation, of bringing to this place, and you know you need to respond this morning. Now I want to ask, I'm going to give this, this chance, I'm going to give you, I want to ask you to, to where you are in, to where you are at your seat, just to stand where you are. Don't worry about your friends behind, around you, or your family, like, oh my gosh, what are they going to think of me? They probably thought I was already a Christian. They'll just be glad. So if you would this morning, would you please stand just right where you are? I'm not going to make you walk forward or anything, just to stand. Jesus is calling. honor those making a decision just you be before the Lord and pray for them there are those right now who who literally their their heart is churning it's like ah people are saying I'm not I just don't know if I'm really a Christian or not let's invite you just this morning to say God wherever I am I fully commit to you last call anybody this is where you are I invite you to stand this morning Now, I want to pray 
This is a prayer. I simply want you to pray something along these lines. I'm not going to tell you what to pray. Prayers don't save people. God saves people. It's really your heart surrendered that opens the door to him. But I want you to pray something along these lines. Jesus, I'm sorry for the life I've lived. I can't do it on my own anymore. I need you. And I ask that you would come, as Doug said, you would come and take my life and live inside of me forever. Jesus, I pray for these this morning, God, who who you are wooing to yourself, that, God, you would continue to stir your life in them and bring them to a true saving knowledge of Jesus that leads them to a life of commitment expressed in the action of loving Jesus and loving their neighbors. I pray you have blessed them this morning in Jesus' name.